0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Doug McKenty. I am here with my friend George Roach. We are uh, going to talk about acting out and acting in today for this, the 10th installment of the Psychology of Lockdown series. We've been going one by one through the characteristics of mystification, as defined by John Bradshaw, the psychoanalyst uh, who developed and worked in the Family Systems Therapy Uh, lineage of psychoanalysis. And we have been comparing and getting deeper and deeper uh, into how our relationship with government and authority is actually very parallel uh, and can be interpreted along the lines of uh, this family systems therapy situation. So um, it's been very interesting. We are now uh, really getting deep into it. This is the 10th episode, as I said. Uh, And so, George, how's it going today? Good to see you again.
1: Great to see you, Doug. Thanks a lot for having you back on the line. Thanks for your, uh, your efforts, and uh, your show content has been fantastic. I've seen you doing a lot of other stuff. I hope people are checking it out. Thanks, George.
0: So where are we at now? We've uh, been counting down through all these different characteristics, and today we're talking about acting out, acting in.
1: What does that mean? Well, boy, are we ever seeing a lot of that going on out there in yeah. Canada, in the stores, a lot of acting out lot of acts you know sure. uh happening with with people right now because our rights are being attacked. Now isn't that interesting as children our rights were attacked through pedagogical, you know, abuse principles. What we thought we were doing was normal, we found out is actually highly abusive. So what happens when you grow up with a family where there's violence, high levels of abuse or neglect, abandonment going on all over the place? Your needs aren't being met. Uh, or sadly and tragically, you had an offender for an parent. Maybe he was an alcoholic. She was an alcoholic. They were unavailable. Remember, to an addict, whatever takes away your most intolerable reality gets your highest priority. Mm-hmm. Not the kids. They're an interruption of the compulsivity to which you, this person is involved with this offender. So how do we learn to act out or act in violence? Well, we've got to get exposed to the elements. So what does it mean to a child who is four years old, looking up at their father or their mother? Now here's this great big, you know, 800 pound giant to a four year old. And this four-year-old depends on these people for love and guidance and support and safety and shelter and to get their basic human needs met, to be wanted, to be cared for, loved, and truly known as one is. That's not going on where we have a high level of dysfunction and violence. Actually, what we do see is this child who gets, you know, smacked across the face. And once that cry about being smacked across the face is suppressed, the child gets it. They begin to confuse abuse with love. That the object of their pleasure is also the object of their pain. Now, all children idealize their parents. Nobody would have packed their bags at, you know, five years old, called a family meeting. Dad, I'm angry at you. Mom, you're a codependent. I'm moving down to Smith's house. (laughs) Right. No child could do that. The family meeting would never take place. Instead, the child makes themselves bad and wrong. For the events of this offender the conduct of this offender they feel ashamed that their father or mother would behave this way they're embarrassed but instead of making their parents responsible or holding them their parents responsible and of course parents would need to teach their children here's how you hold people accountable nobody got taught that Mm -hmm. instead the child feels bad for the way things are and makes the parent innocent so you see this role reversal takes place The responsibility that should squarely fall in the laps of the offender parents, the abusing or uh, abandoning parents, the child so wittingly, unwittingly rather takes on as their own problem. So, what happens? This thing occurs where the child, in the absolute cause of their own survival, begins to identify. With the persecutor. This is called identification with the persecutor, where the child later on in life begins to identify with their original offender and take on the traits as if to align themselves with the power they perceived their offending parents or source givers as once having. They begin to emulate this power. They begin to do to others exactly what was done to them, placing these individuals in the same helpless position that child. In the adult, who's grown to be an adult, once assumed. So when we talk about acting out, what we're talking about is a child who has internalized these governing scenes. These events get imprinted in the brain, the seed of memory, the the, um, amygdala. And that is the storehouse for all the events that a person goes through in life. Some of them we remember, some of them we don't remember. Whatever is not consciously remembered is acted out, thus indirectly discovered. Mm-hmm. As if a person says, why did I just do that? Or why did I just say that? Or I just sounded like my mother. Right. <laughs> they start going, whoa, you know, I, I had these people when I was doing seminars, uh, they'd say, you know, gosh, I, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to pick people like your parents caring, loving, kind, warm, available, supportive. You're supposed to pick people like that. But I've had these people, you know, you, they, they pick people like their parents. And they say, oh, you know, I feel like I've known my husband my whole life. You know, he's mostly unavailable, blah, blah, blah. I <laughs> say, yeah, you, of course, you've known him your whole life. You picked your father. Yeah, right. Of course, you feel like you've known her your whole life. You picked your mother. Because that's familiar. We internalize our parents' marriage as to as being the only model for marriage or relationship. That mm-hmm. is a, 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 an inescapable result. It's all you know. It's all you've internalized. So a child makes very important decisions by the age of five about what they expect in a relationship. They can go to other houses as we did when we were children, and we would scan other families' ways of doing things and behaving and socializing. And we would see that it differed from our own. Well, that was kind of weird. See, the Smith's house, they don't do it at the Smith's house the way they do it at the Joneses. Right. Well, why is it so different? You see kids become curious. They start to notice things. So it's very fascinating. When a child grows up after being involved in abuse, violence, neglect, and abandonment, not only do they pick people who remind them of their former caregivers, they begin to emulate the worst behaviors they hated in their own offenders. Now, isn't that incredible? Yeah, back when we were children, we fought for our psychological life. We don't want this happening. we we fought against it. But after so many uh, experiences in in the same vein, they start to we start to internalize. environment and take it on as their own as if to say okay you guys can stop right here don't do anymore don't abuse me anymore don't hurt me anymore don't put me down anymore don't shame me anymore i can take over i know exactly how to parent myself thank you and they move on in life repeating the same cycles they hated as children right they pick up the same coping mechanisms
0: dysfunctional coping mechanisms that their parents picked up to deal with their parents problems
1: right (laughs) exactly exactly now remember we said The most most important job of a parent is to complete their own childhoods. You cannot take your children where you have not been, and you cannot give your children what you have not got. If you did not complete the acquisition of childhood, Mm -hmm. acquiring all the needs that need to be met at infancy and toddler and preschool and school age, you grow up to be an adult child with unmet childhood needs. So why is it important for parents with children to complete The unfinished business of childhood. It's important because what's missing in you will be missing in your children. Yeah. Now, if you taught them behavior that was, you know, abusive and violent, hurtful to other people, when they get into conflict, naturally, where a marriage will trigger some of this stuff, this is when the wife or the husband first realizes something is amiss with my mate with my spouse. There's a problem here. They don't know that they don't know it's from his childhood, from her childhood. Yeah. They weren't there. They weren't there. They didn't see the upbringing. They didn't see the events this person internalized. They didn't see the program uploaded to this child's brain that would soon be revisited upon the later adult spouse. They didn't see that. So the person doesn't get, that the conflicts most people have with their spouses originated with their parents, and the the spouse who is on the receiving end of the of, of the berating or or attacking or what have you, that person is confused because they were never a part to the original conflict in the first place. They have no knowledge of the events, but people project it as if to put their parents' face on their spouse and act toward them as if they're a carbon copy of their parents now isn't that interesting you know something i want to i
0: want to kind of reiterate we've talked about this before in this series but when we think about childhood abuse a lot of times you know it's easy to imagine the parents are drug addicts or alcoholics or they're beating the kids or sexual abuse but really when we boil down to it it's um When at any time a child feels like they're not free to be themselves, their authentic self, and they're shamed or told to be quiet or stand in the corner, or uh, you know their perspectives are put down, over time these these real subtle uh, controlling mechanisms start to get ingrained in the child that their perspective is not is not valuable. And uh, that's when they build up these feelings of shame that we've talked about or guilt about behaviors that go outside of, of this box that their parents put them in. And I want to bring right. that up. And then and because this is what the government is doing, right? I mean, this is really controlling behavior. And we're seeing the, the bulk of people in our societies now Triggered right into these coping mechanisms and not blaming the parent figure, the government, the the authority figure, the father figure here. Uh, They can't imagine that the government could be doing something wrong, even though clearly the government is being unbelievably controlling and not allowing individuals to make uh, healthcare choices for themselves, not allowing individuals to decide how to deal with the potential for disease in their own way from their own authentic perspective. So we're seeing a real parallel here. The
1: lockdowns are teaching us a boatload of information about the people we know. Mm -hmm. Why am I receiving all of these messages about people saying, I had a friend for 20 years. She dumped me when I wouldn't wear a mask. Right. We are seeing uh, the recapitulation of childhood in full technicolor, in broad daylight, the problem once again being, and what's the purpose of our show is to bring people to the awareness that this is what's going on. We need a different response this time around. We need a different response. We've got to we grow up. <laughs> We've got to grow up, man. <laughs> yeah. we got to question the narrative, at least keep an open mind. Stop attacking your citizens. That's what they want. They want you to act that stuff out. They yeah. want you to do it because a divided society is easier to control. They know this. Exactly. we got to understand that they're using us and they're using our businesses, our institutions, they're acting out their garbage on all of our institutions, uh, uh, you know, our our health systems, our legal systems, our our businesses are being expected to do things way out of the scope of what they're there to do. And this is because they're strategizing the manner in which they increase the voltage of support They tyrannically and oppressively acquire from the people with whom they know see many other people like grocery stores. So and airlines are now being dragged into this. Yeah. Airlines where their people are being asked. I have a letter from Mark Porter from WestJet where he's encouraging the plane flight attendants and furloughs to take an active role in helping WestJet uh, support its government. You know, WestJet's a caring, committed corporation, and we're going to help people with a smile. We will greet them with a smile to give you the jab. The so-called vaccination that isn't a vaccination, but an MRNA. uh, uh, Yeah. Okay. I've been seeing a lot of this kind of
0: behavior here in my community where now that the vaccination's um, getting rolled out, Even people that were, you know, in November, let's say, pre-vaccine rollout, were starting to go, why are we closing the small businesses? Because there's no science that actually says uh, that COVID spreads because of small businesses anymore, that it spreads at a Walmart or any of these bigger chain stores that they considered essential services, Right. But now that the vaccine's getting rolled out, everyone's triggered into thinking that it's virtuous. And this seems like a coping mechanism, actually, when you think about it. If you have a really controlling father figure, the coping mechanism is going to be to consider it virtuous to do what you're told. Because if you don't, you're going to get a spanking or you're going to get shamed, you know, thrown, put into your room, silenced, exactly. uh, or abused in some it. way. And so now, uh, now that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people believing that it's virtuous to continue to perpetuate the abusive behavior by preventing people from having uh r- real informed consent. Nobody's promoting informed consent. We're taking an experimental vaccine here, but people are pretending like, "Well, uh, no, you know, in the United States, the FDA's approved it." Well, uh, for for emergency use, but nobody's saying that. That's not what you see on your Facebook <laughs> page. Right. Post and in Canada,
1: this. <laughs> in Canada, you know, we're, we're saying it's a violation of 14.1. You don't put anything in this body I don't approve of. You're right. also violating Section 6 and rights for mobility. And There's all kinds of crap being acted out through the lockdowns right now that mimic the dictatorships for which many of us were raised on. It's all too familiar. The response mm-hmm. becomes, don't say anything. They know what they're doing. Uh, obey. Uh, don't be a jerk. Just wear the mask. Don't be a jerk. Just get the vaccine. Yeah, the manipulations we were talking off camera that, uh, you know, uh, they're they're lowered the cycles of the PCR test. So caseloads are dropping by the boatloads like rocks. Right. And people are going the vaccines working.
0: Right. I mean, you can't even mention to them like, well, don't you know that the the world, the World Health Organization changed the recommendations? So, of course, the caseloads are dropping because now people are using a different criteria. And they don't, I mean, you, you know, like that, that cognitive closure kicks in and they're like, no, my father figure would never, would never manipulate me
1: like that. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, our, our chief medical uh, professional, Dr. Tam, we discovered uh, Rebel News found, uh, or they did a a freedom of information uh, application and got back the fact that Dr. Tam has a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA with the WHO. Oh, wow. Let's talk about loyalty now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Or not. I mean, this, this is the crap that they're acting out on us right now, right in front of people's eyes, boldly brazen, in brazen, broad daylight, they're committing these brazen acts of abuse. Yeah. Perpetrating... These, these abuses in schools by forcing children to wear masks. Uh, they're acting out in violent ways to uh, squash the, our human rights code right now. I had a 73, 74-year-old couple mask exemption, uh, lawful mask exemption with uh, uh, appropriate uh, medical conditions Applicable, named in the order, and I've got a condo board management attacking them as if it's not written uh, with an exemption. Mm-hmm. And these people are confined to their units 73, 74 year olds helping people out on the, you know, four, floor, four floors below them who are 85 years old, who are helpless and can't get out. And this board uh, foolishly attacks this couple, violating their rights and acting like she's about to kill the whole building. This right. is psychotic. This is absolute psychosis. There's no reality to it whatsoever. And yet we have lawyers now spouting this junk in a court of law. It's it's pathetic what's being acted out right now. People need to recognize this as violence. It needs to be recognized as family violence because mm-hmm. that's where it came from. That's where it originates. It's getting acted out on the psychological stage of life. We've got to understand that this is offender behavior. The victims are the taxpayer, are the people, are the children, are the institutions being expected to cooperate in ways that don't uh, uh, parallel their service uh, 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 or goods uh, businesses. This is heinous that people are standing by and allowing these people to invade them. This is extremely dangerous. Mm mm-hmm. If there's anything dangerous, it's allowing this to go on so that our children have to carry these torches. There's no more – there's never been as an important time as now for people to really stand up for their rights because if you don't fight to keep them, you'll have to fight to get them back. People will be able to figure out what's worse. Well – but. This reenacting is uh, definitely consistent with the pedagogical principles of post-war era. Right, one hundred percent. I mean, let's How talk could about Hitler. Happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then
0: people are getting canceled when they mention, "Huh, this is starting to look a lot like nineteen thirty-five Nazi Germany." <laughs> oh no, you can't say that. That's uh, you Klaus know, Schwab was born in nineteen
1: thirty-eight. Right. Well, schwab was born in 1938 well he's right in the per- perfect slot there well so
0: i want to i want to we got maybe 10 minutes left and i want to bring it back to the acting out and acting in aspect of all of this because it's uh just to kind of really define this characteristic for the audience and l- let people know that this is what's coming out right now um and and also so, one thing. Well, let me just mention this because I, I remember a point I wanted to make about what are our human rights. Like our human rights are really giving us the freedom to be healthy, emotionally healthy adults. It's kind of funny yeah. because a lot of people don't know how to talk about human rights, and and a lot of times, you know, the libertarians will talk about property rights or this and that, or we'll have different theories, natural law. This is where they come from. But having this conversation with you now, I'm thinking about. Um, You know, how do you define a human right psychologically? And it's, well, you have a human right to grow up, to be an adult and be a free person who can make your own choices. And that's a healthy adult. And so this whole system of, oh, no, you know, you're still a child. You don't have these rights. The government is going to control you and tell you how to deal with any kind of a crisis. Now it's a virus, but it could be any crisis that they manufacture even. (laughs) And uh, and they do, and they manufacture crises because the fear triggers people into this acting out, acting in cycle.
1: Sure, sure, it sends them right back to the earliest uh, of their childhood climates. Where was fear? uh, You know, where did you first acquire fear from? Yeah, it's not from adulthood. Fear is your wisdom and discernment energy. I mean, you needed a lot of wisdom and a lot of discernment as a child growing up in an alcoholic, abusive abandoning kind of shaming family Mm -hmm. you needed that it taught you about what was going on it kept you in a place of awareness now now people have a very heightened sense of awareness when abuse is, is going on you know the more scarier it is the more it imprints in the brain we call this governing scenes and then we begin to act those scenes out or we act them in people cut themselves right Bang their heads on the wall. Act all the rage and disdain and abuse of your offender inwardly. Do Got to it. yourself what they did to you. You either acted out or you acted in. Do to others what was done to you or do to yourself what was done to you it was a way to regain control of the offender. The person sacrifices their own life. This is incredible that a human being will do this. To spare the offender, they will act all the rage and disdain and shame of their offenders inwardly. Right. So, so. The like the shaming
0: and the virtue signaling that you experience if you go outside and you're not wearing a mask and all of a sudden people start pointing the finger at you and telling you you're a bad person that's the acting out. The increase in suicides, the uh, addiction issues, the relapses that we're seeing, uh, all, all of this kind of, out. and this would be this would be the acting in. This would be people abusing themselves in order to be able to cope with the abusive behavior from the
1: controlling government. Correct. Correct. And add to that criminality. All Mm -hmm. criminality is a reenactment of childhood abuse. All of it. Doing to to society what was done to them. Now, Bradshaw did a study once where he had death row inmates sending him letters. I talked to him about this. He had death row inmates sending him letters who, for the first time after seeing the PBS series that he produced back in the 90s, the first time these inmates are realizing that they had been doing to society what was done to them. Now that is an incredible realization to come to, that their addictions were all related to their unresolved childhood abuse. Remember all compulsivity has its roots, all of it in mystification. Mm -hmm. You see compulsivity and addiction has its roots in abandonment. Think about that when you think of all the addictions. I back in the '90s, Betty Ford said that uh, uh, there were 83 million addicts in the U.S. That's a Betty Ford statistic at that time. It's much. It's it's greater now. But the, the but so if we have that, if we have, I mean, those are emotional disorders. Those are emotional diseases, are resulting from abuse and it's being coped with through the use of substance alcohol and other means whether well, it could be work addiction sex addiction food addiction right a drama addiction a tv addiction anything to take you out of the shameful feelings that you have never learned to cope with right is an addiction a pathological relationship to any mood altering experience which produces life damaging consequences but the addict ignores them because they believe that the addiction does a wonderful job of taking away the intolerable reality for which they have endured. You know, George, as we are experiencing now. Right. Exactly. In the lockdowns. The, the alcohol cycle sales. Of they kept the liquor stores. They kept yes. the liquor stores open. Right. Essential services. Essential services. Essential. George. <laughs> These are essential, man. Oh, Keep them man. alcoholics fueled, folks. Absolute, absolutely crazy. Well,
0: let's talk about, I've heard this concept of healthy shame, and it's something that uh, as you're healing from the psychological abuse, you actually need to feel um in order to go through the healing process and become an actual adult to to gr- finally grow up emotionally from from where that arrested development initially happened and that I think that's what's so hard for people because their coping mechanism is to avoid the shameful feelings and just to let the audience know like as you heal you are going to start to feel that and you have to go yeah you know that behavior was uh inappropriate Uh, and i am ashamed and that's okay and now i can heal from that pattern and change because i know that it makes me feel bad exactly
1: but you you know but you see the old adage of you know the first step to realizing you need help is realizing you have the problem right this is precisely what the the dysfunctional coping mechanisms of an addict uh uh, forbid them from ever accessing solution is foreclosed you see remember addiction takes on Uh, 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 the the function of concealment and and what it does is it it aligns current suffering in exact accordance with the past and remains uh uh, and may and ensures that the past remains inaccessible cbc because remember we're 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 feeling horrible right we're feeling horrible all the time we don't feel good we don't Mm -hmm. feel like doing much don't feel like doing anything a few drinks right the thing is the thing is you are you are disconnecting yourself from your past. You can't get to the root of the problem because you keep trying to feel good and restored by the use of a substance outside of you. I call these people substitutes. sure. The shame and healing low self-esteem caused from it from toxic shame requires the re-identification with a face, a non-judgmental, non-shaming face. That approves of you and understands what you're going through, what you've been through, how you got here, why you got here, and why you're still here. That's what we need from people. Feedback, non-judgmental feedback mm-hmm. that helps us be okay with who we are. Because remember, remember, addicts are always seeking approval. Why? Because they were disapproved of. To be disapproved of as a child is abandonment. It's akin to death. Right. That's painful. You want to mood alter it.
0: Yeah, fascinating. Well, what an incredible conversation. I mean, I think as we delve into this, um, we, we've talked about this idea in the past. I just kind of want to reiterate for a minute uh, as, we, uh, as we close up here, this idea of being raised in this patriarchal culture, which if you think about, uh, I think, you know, the way the kids are raised in a situation where they're taught through patriarchal religions, through patriarchal institutions like public education. We talked about the bullyocracy last time and uh, the episode of The Shift, I think number 70, number 69 about the bullyocracy, if you guys want to check this out. But we're raised in a situation where we're told and taught to conform. The whole culture is all about this. This is how we raise our children. Like you can imagine the opposite would be unschooling where the kids are just allowed to do what they feel like doing. And the parents help and cultivate, uh, I like that this kind of a concept of raising kids, but even by putting a kid in school and then being like, you have to learn this. And if you don't learn this, you're going to get detention or you're going to get a failing grade. Um, all of that kind of stuff builds all these feelings of shame. Then when the person grows up, they have arrested development. They're not allowed to become fully individuated as an adult. And they're trapped in this cycle of violence so that, well, let me just finish here, George, so that when the government, the authority, the new authority, the authority figure for adults, the, the father figure for adults comes down, says, oh, there's a crisis, triggers everybody into either acting in or acting out, whatever their coping mechanism is. And the ones that are acting out are actually helping the controllers control everybody and the ones that are acting yep. in are just are making are are hurting themselves so they're not strong Correct. enough to stand up against the controlling figures and this is exactly how the patriarchy rolls right this is why we have an elite class with billions of dollars <laughs> because it's we all family
1: it's all family yeah family totally uh you know when when people are able to attach the current set of circumstances. The tyranny and the oppression, the abuse of our human rights—that's going on right now. When they're able to attach that uh, and connect the dots back to their own childhoods, they will see the psychological warfare that is being bestowed upon uh, the globe. Yeah. All the world's people, yeah. all the world's people, have uh, are witnessing crimes against humanity on steroids. And they're not prejudicing anyone. It's not for the youth. It's not just for the middle class. They're ha- they're abusing our senior citizens who took care of all of us to carry the torch. So I say to everybody, stop acting out. Stop acting in. If you are, get help mm-hmm. and join us. You're not available to help us or join the rest of your citizens who want to defend our way of life. You're not available if you're all bottled up with toxic shame and addiction issues and problems in your past that you have failed to confront. It is very important, and the only way you can make yourself available to us and to the rest of the human beings that await you is you must deal with your history because if you don't know your history, you're only doomed to repeating it. Yep, time to do some of that shadow
0: work, people, and go back and, and find out, find your inner child and figure out what was going on and feel some of that healthy shame for, go some, on of the, the inside. for some of the behaviors.
1: Rick- yes, be and, honest. You gotta be honest. Let's go.
0: Transform into a healthy adult. And then you'll you'll know you then you'll know the right thing to do, right? You'll know the right choices to make. You'll have higher awareness. You won't be working out of fear, you'll be grounded. Uh and uh so. Thanks again, George. What a great episode! Uh, another solid characteristic to really understand what's been going on here. What's what's going on not just with the coronavirus and the lockdowns, but really what's been going on for a long, long time in terms of this patriarchal culture, uh, the way these governments and this upper class has been able to control us psychologically uh, for for many generations. And uh, and this is
1: it. This is right. it. And. Pe- Need to start looking at themselves. Go inward, okay? Start from behind the eyes, not in front of them. Most of the issues we're seeing out there right now stem from what's going on behind the eyeballs of our citizens, not what's in front of them. It's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. And if you're reacting, you're redoing the past. Mm -hmm. We want to be creative. We want to be responsive. We don't want to react.
0: Well, cool, George. You want to tell people where they can uh, find out more about the line?
1: Absolutely. Find us and follow us on at the line media on Twitter, where we're posting a lot of content related to the current state of affairs with these rights abuses and the lockdowns and how they are affecting people in the various ways. So follow us on at the line media at the line Canada on Twitter. ThelineCanada.com has launched its legal initiatives, so they are on there. If anybody is violating you, do not hesitate to hold them accountable. We need every person to do that. It's vital that we do not let people away with the violation of our rights that gives them a nod. That's not the nod we want. Get us at thelinecanada.com for that, and thelinecanada on Instagram and not Parlor. What's that other one that we're on? Twitter? Uh, uh, Telegram.
0: Telegram.
1: Cool. Thank you very much.
0: All right, and I've been your host. My name is Doug McKenty. You can catch me at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, I normally do a long form interview podcast called The Shift with Doug McKenty, and you can catch that on YouTube at The Shift, uh, on Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty, or just look for me, Doug McKenty, on Facebook, on Twitter at D McKinty. And I am uh, now on a variety of other social media platforms as well. Uh, so if you just Google Doug McKenty or The Shift with Doug McKenzie, you'll find me again, www.theshiftnow.com, where you can find everything and sign up for the newsletter for updates, including the Psychology of Lockdown series. All right. Thanks again, George. You have a great day. And we'll be back next week with number 11. What's the
1: topic for next week? Next week, we're going to be heading into time distortion. Sounds like a good very, one. Very cool tactic. I'll
0: explain more then. All right, cool. We'll see you all again next week. Thanks for listening. Take care.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Doug.